0: Justin, yes, sir. Hey, it's Jeff Blair and Kevin Barker in Toronto. Thanks for doing this, man. We
1: appreciate it. Hey, Justin, how you doing? Of course, I'm good. Uh, how are you guys? Good. We're thank doing
2: you. well.
0: Where are you? Are you in uh, Florida already, or?
1: I'm actually in the cage in. I'm still in LA though. <laughs> okay. Wow. I just got a text from Adam at, at the Blue Jays. He's like, "Hey, man, you got this interview." I'm like, "Oh," <laughs> I'm literally like. <laughs> I'm literally in the middle of a round right now.
2: <laughs> we won't keep you long. We won't yeah, keep we you won't, long. We won't
1: keep you. Won't, it's, it's all good. Important. It's all good. And Turner in the air to center field. That ball's in well. Martinez on the run. This is way back. And it is gone. It is a walk-off home run
2: for Justin Turner.
0: Well, this is going to be a real treat, Kevin. We are going to be joined in a few seconds by Justin Turner, the newest member of the Toronto Blue Jays, and maybe one of the few new members of the Toronto Blue Jays we are uh, we're going to see this year. It's, there's a lot we want to talk to him about, but I know one thing you're really interested in, especially, is the leg kick. And I want you to set up that question for us. But just t- tell us about that because it's we've seen guys in this team experiment with it. Right. When Josh was here. Hell, I was doing it right. Everybody was doing it when <laughs> yeah. Josh Donaldson was here. He, Everybody's yeah. experimenting with it. But this is a guy in Justin Turner who stayed with it and who has made it a part of his approach.
2: Yeah. Look, I, I think a lot of people can't do it because of timing issues. Right. It's when do you kick it? How hard? Do you, how high do you kick it? How can you get it on the ground in an athletic position able to have a positive move towards the baseball consistently, right? I talk about this all the time. The great hitters have the same swing no matter where the pitch is at. Like, their swing looks identical, just their barrel will be in a different slot to hit the baseball depending on where that ball is going in in the quadrants of the strike zone. It's almost impossible, Jeff, to be able to kick it as high as he does – and be able to have party out front with balance. That's the one thing. I tried it when I was playing. Like, way back when, when I was in college with aluminum bats, I had a leg kick. I was kicking it, and the big thing I had was I was a lot of the laid-back sort of spinning, and I would have a – Big giant uppercut in my swing, and I would miss a bunch of balls that I didn't want to do that. Now, obviously, you want to get loft in the ball, and that's the thing, right? Is launch angle and those kind of things, and and I just don't see him trying to do that with that. Mm. And. He sort of mastered the the plate out in front of the original one, right? It's He's not a line-to-line guy. He doesn't have a tremendous amount of power to right field. He's not going to do that. Will he backspin an occasional home run to right center? Yeah, but he's more of a center to left field, and he's trying to party out front. And to be able to do that timing-wise consistently on high velocity, on the elevated fastball, and then they're tunneling all the breaking balls that they do and the change-ups with change of speeds from the lefties and to just to be able to always look the same the way he has is it's impressive and I can't wait to ask him and I can't wait to hear the answer that he gives you or gives us about that because it's intriguing not many humans can do it and I just think that will be nice because we see a lot of timing issues with Vladdy I hope that's the first conversation they have together is how do you do it how do you get it down and look the same all the time and hopefully Vladdy can take something away from that well, let's not waste any time.
0: Very pleased to be joined uh from the batting cage literally by uh Justin Turner <laughs> of the Toronto blue Jays Justin thanks so much for taking time out to uh talk to us on 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 blair and barker yeah you know, i was i heard your uh your media availability uh, with the blue Jays media and also uh some of the stuff you've done on on the m l b network and elsewhere A- and I'm wondering um how would you compare this free agent process to other winters you may have gone through in terms of knowing you know when you're going to be uh or where you're going to be and when you're going to have to report was this a different a different kind of kind of winter for you and didn't have any impact at all on how you went about preparing
1: uh it was definitely definitely different first of all thanks for having me on guys and it's, it's nice to meet you and talk to you hopefully we'll be doing a few of these this year but uh uh, as far as the free agency goes, yeah, it was, it was definitely different. I think uh, going into the GM meetings, um, there was a lot of chatter, a lot of communication between teams. seemed like there was going to be a lot of interest going on. Uh, it seemed like it was going to be a super healthy uh, winner for free agents. Um, and I don't know if when the little bug that was going around the GM meetings and, and had it cut short early kind of just, Put a, a damper in everything, or or what happened, but it just seemed to come to a almost a halt for for everyone. And you look now at at how many guys are still out there and still available. It's it's pretty mind blowing to me, um, the caliber of players that still haven't signed. So uh, this this year was definitely different. Uh, I thought it was going to be uh, one of the best free agencies I've been to been in, and it ended up being one of the slowest and uh, one of the one of the least uh I guess interest from teams that I, that I've had but it all worked out because uh ended up in Toronto which is a great spot and and one of the teams that you know I was hoping we could work something out with
0: Now you I mean you look you you obviously had a lot of success in in LA with the Dodgers you had a lot of success in Boston you obviously from talking to people in those teams you became a very important part of the clubhouse very important part of the community how difficult is it you know everybody says it's a business but how difficult is it for a player to move on? And I'm not just talking about Boston to Toronto. I'm even even thinking back early in your career, right? To kind of realize that yeah, I'm going to be in a new place.
1: Yeah, I think the hardest part is you know you you show up and you're in an organization, right? In a team, in a city, in a fan base, and you know you pour everything into. Uh, All of them, Uh, the fans, the front office, the stadium personnel, the support cast, your teammates, your coaches, you you pour everything into it to do everything you can to win a World Series. And then, you know, whether it's by choice or not, you end up going to another team and then you have to kind of flip that switch and say, okay, now I'm uh, I'm all in for this city and this organization and, and this team right? Which I think that is probably the weirdest part and the hardest part, especially after, you know, spending nine years in LA with the Dodgers where, you know, you, you have that continuity every year and, and, you know, you have the fan base and you make relationships and then you have to go somewhere else. It's, it, it was a little scary, actually. Uh, I was like, man, I don't know how I'm going to make this transition last year to the, to the, to the Red Sox, because I've only known the Dodgers for so long. And, uh, Actually, it turned out, you know, it, was, it wasn't it was as bad as I thought, and they, I made so many great relationships in Boston, and I think that uh, I'm probably going to have the same experience in Toronto because it sounds like a fantastic place to, to be a baseball player.
2: Justin, are you used to expectations coming to Toronto, right? They're expected to make a run, right? They're expected to go deep into the playoffs, win some playoff series. Obviously, you know, you're coming from the, the Dodgers. Obviously, you made a little pit stop in, in Boston, but – is that is that easy to do? Is the expectations part of it just, you know, you're getting at the age where you sort of know coming into this what your role is. I'm assuming with just, you know, the names in the order, you'll probably be hitting cleanup. You know, that protection of Vladdy, you know, you hit, you know, over well over 300 with runners in scoring position. The Blue Jays had a little hiccup when it come to that last year. Expectations are big for you. Is that a thing for you? Do you have to think about that or you just try not to and – sort of try and do your best to hit the ground and run it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think every, every year I played in uh, the last 10 years, there's been uh giant expectations, right? Especially with the Dodgers for nine years that uh, every year it, it was, you know, if you don't make it to the world series, it was a failure. And uh, we hear that noise as players. We know it's there. We know what we're supposed to do. We know what it says on paper, Um, but I think as a player, uh, and it might sound a little cliche, but you have to remove the noise of the expectations and you have to literally, you know, look at it as a one game series every single day and figure out how to win one game. And then the next day you come back and you do it all over again, and then you do it all over again, again. And then that is something that I think if you can put into practice through a 162 game season, that's the best recipe to get through the playoffs, is not looking at it as a five game series or a seven game series or the three game wild card. Uh, you got to go at it one game at a time in the postseason, right? And, and that's, I think that's the best way to do it. But you got to practice that all season long for 162 games. And that's yeah. how you manage the expectations.
2: Yeah, it's true. You can't teach experience, right? I, I do want to talk about your leg kick. It it, it intrigues me a lot. I, I watch you from afar, and it's just hard for me to believe. Now, I know we're talking to you, and you've been in the bad cage, and you've worked on this thing forever. You know, you made that adjustment to, I think, going to that bigger leg kick sort of turned your entire career around, and you have turned into Justin Turner that everybody wants in the middle of their order. I'm just intrigued on how you've been able to just – do the things you're capable of doing. I think you're more of a pull hitter than you are sort of a line-to-line guy. You might be a little right-center to left-field line with that leg kick, but it's a lot. Like, there's a lot of moving parts there. And I just wonder, the older you get, harder for you to get it in line, get it going? Do you have to cheat? Is there certain adjustments you've had to make? It's it's very cool to watch a guy do the things you do with that. I'm intrigued about
1: it. I mean (laughs) – yeah, it's something I've I've put a lot of work in over the years and and I'm I'm actually sitting here with Doug Latta who helped uh reconstruct my swing back in 2013 and you know the the leg kick thing is definitely a timing thing for me and I think one of the things that isn't talked about enough in baseball and hitting is timing and how to be on time, how to move to to get ready and anticipate and slow down a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. And for me, the leg kick does that. And it's it's a timing mechanism. It it helps me move. It helps it be an athletic move. I think hitting is one of the most athletic things that you can do in all of sports. So you want to be able to move and be athletic when you're hitting. I, I don't necessarily – understand the spread out wide and don't stride and be, uh, kind of defensive, uh, when a guy's throwing a 98 mile an hour sinker in there, uh, that's, that's a tough recipe for me, but, um, you know, it's, it, you just got to keep working on it daily. And, and like I said, it's a timing thing. Uh, hitting is timing. The pitchers out there are paid to get us off timing, but for some reason, um, you know, hitting the hitting world is getting away from talking about timing. I don't understand it.
2: Yeah, speaking of a guy with timing is the guy that will probably be hitting in front of you that is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Lots of parts, right? The hands move, the foot comes back. You know, it's getting it down on time. It's having the good band rubber band effect and and driving down and through the baseball, which is what he's trying to do, hit the line drive to the big part of the field. What do you see from him? I know you faced him and you've seen him from afar, and I'm, I don't know if you've had conversations with him, but is is there a certain thing that sort of stands out to you that, you know, because I think everybody wants more from Vladdy. I know that's not fair probably because of his age and, you know, he's still a twenty five ninety five guy, but we saw him the first year with the 40 and the 100-plus, and we're still sort of waiting on that. Is there something you see with Vladdy that, you know, sort of you think maybe that if he sort of maybe does this, he could turn it into that consistent 40 and 100?
1: Yeah, I want to see less from Vladdy. Hmm. I want to see him try to do less and not, not – I mean, there's a lot of horsepower in there. He's got power to all fields. Um He's an incredible hitter, great bat to ball. I think he has good timing. I think he has good rhythm. I think he has good recognition. Uh, I just don't want to see him try to hit 500-foot homers. He doesn't need to. Uh, you know, you, you hit a ball 386, 387. I'm not sure what it is in, in Roger Center and the left center. That's a homer. So the 550-foot homers count the same as the 380-foot homers. So I think with him, it's just understanding how much power he has that he doesn't need to swing as hard as he can every time. If he stays under control and he makes a good move on time, swings at good pitches, he's going to light up that extra base hit category just because he's so talented. Awesome.
0: Justin, one of the guys we have on our, on our show a fair amount is Ned Coletti, a guy I've known for a long time, going back to when, well, going back to when he was a sports writer, to be honest. Um, You know, look, he's and and when you signed with the Jays, you know, he fired off a text to me just talking about. Well, I mean, basically telling us everything we kind of already we kind of already thought about you. Go back to that to to joining the Dodgers and and how your career seemed to take off after that, and and just kind of how did that happen? Um, You know, who who was the guy maybe that that kind of helped you hit the switch and 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 just the way that whole. You know, the whole renaissance of your career kind of got started.
1: Well, there's a few pieces of that story. Uh, One, I was at at an alumni game at Cal State Fullerton, and Tim Wallach, who is a fellow Cal State Fullerton alumni, uh, was there asking me, you know, what my situation was, and he was the bench coach for the Dodgers at the time. And two, I was actually hitting at the ball yard with Doug uh, every day, and Marlon Bird was in here, and he had a relationship with Michael Young, who – was on the Dodgers at that time. And Marlon said, Hey man, whatever you do, don't commit to any other team. I'm not sure whether or not Michael young is going to play or retire. And he goes, I think if he decides to retire, uh, the Dodgers are probably going to call you. So whatever you do, just hold out as long as you can. And, uh, sure enough, uh, Michael decided it was time to hang him up. And, uh, not long after that, I got a call from the Dodgers and Ned Colletti, and, um, yeah, the rest is history.
0: Have the Jays told you and how they plan on using you this year?
1: We've had a little bit of dialogue. Uh, there'll be some third base in there. There'll be some first base in there. Um, probably a lot of DH days. Uh, I, I think it's just so hard at this time of year to say, hey, this is what you're going to do. Um, so many things happen. Um, We've got to get through spring training, see where we're at. And uh, like I said, I, I said this the other day on MLB, there's still a lot of free agents out there, so we, we don't really know uh, if the team that we have right now is, is the team that we're going to end up with. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll play when, wherever they want me to, uh, just as long as I'm in the lineup. So,
2: If John Snyder came to you and said, hey, Justin, what, what's your favorite position? I, I want to put you there. What would you say? Uh, Hitter. i'm sure he would love that that's tremendous (laughs) i I, I know i
1: sound like a little leaguer i sound like a little leaguer but i I just want to be in the lineup i want to be in the lineup so wherever that is in the lineup if it's hitting first third ninth i don't care i just want to be in the lineup help help him win ball games so
0: well, speaking of that, we're going to let you get back in the cage and get at it. Uh, we really appreciate your time. We look forward to seeing you in Florida, and uh, be well. Stay uh, stay healthy. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Kevin, one of the really interesting things about Justin Turner, something that a lot of people pointed out late in his Dodgers career, in his Red Sox career, and also this off season, was the fact that he is a guy who has managed to maintain his performance late in his career. You know, some of the underlying numbers aren't great, right? That I mean, they're just not. But if you look at this guy, he was a late bloomer, obviously, with, with the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I said, he, you know, he didn't look a whole lot different last year than he did the year before. He just seems to be a guy who, boy, this sounds like a cliche, Kevin, but he just seems to be a guy who's a professional hitter. It, yeah, uh, it, it just does.
2: Yeah, it's predictable. Look, that's exactly what they need, right? I, I was yelling and screaming in spring training last year. They didn't have a cleanup hitter. I'm not exactly sure if Justin Turner is the exact cleanup hitter that everybody had in mind. What in his career? He's had 327 at-bats, hitting fourth in an order. Doesn't have a lot, right? Because he's played for the Dodgers, they've had legit Mm -hmm. cleanup hitters. Mm -hmm. He's been more of a second and third hitter in their order, right? And just sort of go up there and be yourself. Now he's expected to come here driving runs, right? There's going to be traffic. You know, you're hoping that Bo keeps doing his thing and Springer's on the field and can get on base. And hopefully, Vladdy, we've talked about that, and Nauseam can do his thing and get on base and, and turn it over to Justin because of the way just he knows how to drive in runs. That, that's the thing is they need a legit run producer that the other team knows is a run producer and can't do anything about it. So hopefully they just slot him in that spot, leave him alone, and, and he can play 160 games and drive in a bunch of runs.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting hearing him talk about Vladdy, and how he wants to see less from him. How he wants to see him be uh, maybe a little more accepting of what he's being given and what he's contributed on that on, on that particular day. I I found that interesting because you know maybe maybe we don't talk about the, and maybe I'm as guilty about it as anybody. But you know I I, I was thinking about this the other day, man. What must it be like to be a dude who hits twenty-five and ninety and has people basically say, eh, you <laughs> think about it." I mean, seriously, right? Yeah. It's not like it's not like your
2: worst year it is a horrible year, no. Look, I I do That's going to be
0: a hard thing to carry, man.
2: Absolutely. It's 24. I mean, we've heard what his GM has came out and said. I mean, he's he's basically pointing the finger at one guy. I mean, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. We have faith in that one guy to be the 40 and 100-plus guy that we all think he can be. I I just don't know how you ask a 24-year-old to tone it down. Stop over-swinging. How do you do that, Jeff? Like, I I don't know how that is. And I've said this, and I'll continue to say it, and I've watched Vladdy a lot. He has a mechanical flaw. Like, the rubber band effect, he does not have. His hands, a lot of the times, follow his front foot. That's why you see a lot of the around, cutting it off, ground ball to shortstop. Instead of him getting, you know, the maximum bat speed that he would get if he really got the torque that he could get by having more rubber band effect, right? Every great hitter that you see from the side, name one, they all look the same when the front mm-hmm. foot hits the ground, right? The f- hands go back, the front foot goes the opposite direction, right? Because they want to maximize torque, rotation, and bat speed. Vladdy doesn't do that all the time. And that, for me, is why you see the overswinging. And I just don't know how guys like Justin Turner or Don Mattingly can go up to Vladdy and go, hey, how do we fix that little part of it? Because for me, until he can consistently again, Jeff, you look at it. All the great hitters always look the same. Corey yep. Seager, look at his swing in the in the World Series, in the playoffs. It always looked the same, no matter where the pitch was at. And I think until Vladdy consistently can look like that, no matter where the pitch is, I just think maybe you'll see a little bit of ups and downs. It's just it'll, it'll be intriguing to see the the hopefully new Vladdy. I can't wait and you know, I'm going to spring training soon there in the middle of March. I I just that that's the be the one thing I'm gonna look at. I'm gonna be at the batting cage, I'll be looking at that and and hopefully hopefully he can consistently do that because there is a ton of pressure. Like I look, there was pressure last year, there's been pressure ever since Vladdy's been a big leaguer. Is there any more pressure that he's had more than this year, Jeff? I just the way the last two years have ended, the way yeah. people—I hate to say it—like you talk about Vladdy, there is so much pressure on this kid, and he's a kid. He's twenty-four. Like this kid to do yeah. special things. I, I'm intrigued to see if he can do it.
0: Yeah, you know, for a lot of people, the lingering memory of that playoff series in Minnesota isn't uh, Kikuchi running in from the bullpen; it's Vladdy getting picked off second base. And, Absolutely, and, and and that is, yeah, you know that's um I, I'm sure he's replayed that play in his head an awful lot. And uh, look, we've even though there are some free agents out there, we've said this: this isn't this isn't rocket science. If uh, Vladdy and Bo have terrific years, mm-hmm. this is a playoff team. Absolutely. If Vladdy doesn't have a terrific year. This is a team that's going to be life and death to get one of the final wild card spots. No question. It's that simple. Uh, that's it for us. I want to thank Justin Turner for joining us again from uh, Southern California. Justin will be down in Florida along with the rest of the Blue Jays next week. Pitchers and catchers start reporting. First full squad workout is February 20th. That, coincidentally, is the day that Blair and Barker returns to the radio. We'll be on from 11 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet. 590 the fan effective February 20th in the meantime thanks for joining us and as my friend Mr. Parker says get it down and get it soon.